This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Before we begin, just a warning that today's episode contains details of sexual allegations which some listeners may find upsetting. Today on the Indo Daily, the downfall of John Leslie. At the height of his fame, John Leslie was one of the most recognisable faces on UK television. All that changed in an instant, however, when Leslie was linked to a shocking allegation that would ultimately sabotage his career. It's being reported that former Blue Peter presenter John Leslie has been arrested on suspicion of rape. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Sarah Cadden, journalist with the Sunday Independent, to chronicle the downfall of John Leslie. Sarah, let's start at the beginning, take us back to the late 1980s and a young man from Scotland making his big break in TV. Yeah, John Leslie was from Edinburgh and kind of started work as a DJ. Really kind of your average kind of likeable character, very bubbly, full of personality. And after working as a DJ, he got a job. His first kind of TV job was for this channel called Music Box, which was like pitched as a kind of UK answer to MTV and also kind of before everybody had lots of channels, uh, seemed quite exciting. Coming up today, we've got some great new videos from Tapao and also um, the new one from S-Express. On today's track record, though, the fabulous Human League. TZ likes the Human League, don't you, TZ? And from that, he got a, a gig on Blue Peter on the BBC. In this country, we think about the den or things like that, and they're iconic. Blue Peter was that for, in the UK, wasn't it? Exactly. And it really was a real springboard for people to go on to better things. If you got a job there, you'd kind of got a foothold. And he really did um, get a foothold and moved up into that kind of family favourite kind of slot. He was presenting Wheel of Fortune. And when Richard and Judy left this morning on YouTube, TV. He started off doing Friday slot that Eamon Holmes and Ruth Langsford would have done more recently. And because the pair they had put in instead of Richard and Judy, which was Twiggy and Colleen Nolan, which was definitely, you could call it experimental, didn't work. The audience seemed to really like John Leslie paired with Fern Britton and they became the Monday to Thursday presenters of this morning and viewers really took them to their hearts as we have seen in the kind of decades since people really do take presenters of that show to their hearts. The end is near and so you face your final morning 
That was the late 90s at that stage. Yeah. And he was sort of, you know, he was doing the Wheel of Fortune and he had, he'd pop up all over the place. He was one of those kind of faces. Um, but also kind of because he was quite young, he was a guy who was sort of, you imagined, was on a trajectory to be one of these kind of big household name kind of personalities. So much so that his personal life became tabloid fodder, if you like, and he ended up dating a Hollywood star. He dated Catherine Zeta-Jones in the early 90s when she was a big star in the UK, but not internationally at that point. She was really famous from her role in The Darling Buds of May with David Jason. And so she would have been considered a real kind, again, a sort of a nation's sweetheart. They met apparently after a Chesney Hawks uh, concert. So it's it's all very early 90s. He has said since that it was a huge love uh, of his life, but she moved on to Hollywood and bigger things and Michael Douglas. They were together for about 18 months. So it wasn't uh, a short relationship, you know, in Hollywood terms, at least it wasn't a short relationship. But he was quoted as saying that she didn't want marriage and babies and he wasn't ready to commit. So perhaps it was they met too early in their life stages, maybe. Perhaps, or maybe it just kind of looked good on paper and it was just a romance that fizzled out. And all over the papers, indeed, it was. All over the papers. I suppose that kind of boosted his celebrity a little too. I was going to say, how did he react, I guess, to that level of fame at that stage? He was a kind of large personality. And so he he seemed to kind of be a guy who took this kind of thing, the attention, the kind of pace of life all kind of in his stride. He was the sort of, as you could say, of kind of fast moving kind of personality. And that is what people liked about him because he wasn't he wasn't too clean cut. Clean cut enough, but not too clean cut. Then it was 2002 and another big star, TV host Ulrika Johnson, releases her memoir. And within that, there's explosive allegations, but didn't name anybody in particular. I think start maybe, Sarah, by telling us what were the key claims within Ulrika Johnson's book? Ulrika Johnson, she had started out as a, a, a weather presenter. She had been a bit like Leslie in that climbing up the ladder bit by bit um, and was very well known by 2002 when she published the memoir where she said that a man who whom she knew, she had been in a hotel room with him and he had arrived and they were supposed to be going out to the cinema and that she kind of was like putting on her coat, ready to go, and that he then raped her. And so she said this in her book. She did not name the man. She didn't identify him in any way. But one morning, while John Leslie was on ITV presenting this morning, Matthew Wright, the journalist, also had a TV show at the time, and he named Leslie as the man in Ulrika Johnson's book. So the three women that we know of that are pointing the finger at John Leslie, one of them's got a book out. Live on television named him. Yes. And when John Leslie came off air, also live on television, his world had exploded. When he walked out, out of that studio, everybody outside that studio knew that his life had just blown up. And he has said himself... That was it. That that was the end of his career. It just ended like that. So he's on air co-hosting this morning. This is said, uh, presumably 
I guess it wasn't social media back at that stage or this instantaneous online news reporting, but it was probably more real than that. He walks out to his producers, his editors, his colleagues. Yeah. And bang. Yeah. And he immediately said this, this, it wasn't him. But later, Matthew Wright did apologise to John Leslie. And John Leslie said that he had dated Ulrika Johnson, but they had got on very well. They had parted amicably. There was no issue between them. He lost his job on this morning on the back of this. He has said since that his agent advised him not to sue Matthew Wright, that it would be absolutely career-ending to make that move. And he pretty much lost everything. But what happened after that is what Leslie himself has described as a witch hunt. Regrettably, as has happened in the past, the details of a private police inquiry have been leaked to the press. And once again, I face trial by media. It is thus with a mixture of anger and distress that I am forced yet again to talk about lies about my private life. Lies that destroyed my public career in 2003 and which now threaten the private life which I have been happy to lead since then. John Leslie, then and since, has never been convicted of any sexual assault, misdemeanor, anything. But he has obviously been incredibly tarnished by this. And after Ulrika Johnson autobiography and the Matthew Wright allegation, a lot of women came forward and alleged that they had had encounters with John Leslie where he had either assaulted them or um, there had been sexual indecency. Um, and he characterised it as the floodgates opening and... It, that was it. He was he was finished. Now, he was replaced on This Morning by Philip Schofield, which is a whole other podcast in, in all these years later. But tell us about his initial, I suppose, trying to fight the flames that were surrounding him. We, we do know something about his relationship with Ulrika Johnson. What was his version of it? He has said that he remembers visiting her in a hotel room where she was staying. She remembered that the man had brought her flowers. That was one of the details she had included in the memoir. And he has said that bringing women flowers and chocolates wasn't his style, was never his style. But he did remember an instance where he had brought Ulrika Johnson flowers because she wasn't feeling well. And he had called to the hotel room, given her the flowers, asked her if she needed anything or he could help in any way. She wasn't feeling well. She really wanted to be left alone. And he says that he left. So he says, I can remember a hotel room. I can remember flowers, but I do not. My memory of it does not chime with hers that this uh, rape occurred. But his main issue with Ulrika Johnson all these decades later is that she never denied that it was him. Never. She has had many opportunities. I was going to say, presumably she has been asked this exact question. What are your feelings towards what happened to John Leslie in terms of consequence? I would, and I never have done, commented about him. Uh, but what I would say is that, you know, trial by media is incredibly awful. Uh, it's a frightening roller coaster to be on. I know myself what it's like to be kind of pursued and, and hunted down in some respects. And that's, that's a difficult experience. She writes a column for one of the UK tabloids. And last year, there was a controversy around um, a police station in the UK where 
they had a poster on the wall and it, it listed, you know, urgent and non-urgent crimes and rape was listed as a as a non-urgent crime. And Ulrika Johnson wrote a column uh, based on this. And in that column, she said, even now, if I was raped, I would not report my rape any more than I did back when I it happened when I was 19. She still thinks that that idea that she put herself in a position in a room with a man made her feel and would she believes would make others believe that she put herself in the way of danger. So again, in writing that, didn't say. And by the way, John Leslie, whose life really crashed and burned on the back of this, wasn't the man in that room. So he's gone. He's lost his job. How does he deal with this then? What What is his next move, if you like? All these allegations are swirling around him. You say he decided not to sue because he thought that might actually be career ending. But it sounds like he was cancelled in an era before we knew that word. There have been actual legal cases against John Leslie since, but absolutely no convictions. In 2003, which was the year after the Ulrika scandal, there was one case where he was on trial for indecent assault. It's and, a criminal trial. Yeah. yeah. And the case was thrown out when what they said was new information was presented. I was subjected to an eight-month police inquiry. I was pilloried in the press. Finally, in October 2003, I was told by a Southwark Crown Court judge that I left the courtroom completely innocent and without a stain on my character. Now, five years later, it all starts again. I suppose what, what, how John Leslie would characterise all this is that the mud has stuck. And his colleague, his TV colleague at the time, Carol Malone, who has appeared in documentaries about him since, has said that even though he always kind of could said that the mud stuck, he always had this belief that he could be redeemed and get back and that he would be exonerated. But it just never happened. In his cases, he's had character references from Anthea Turner, Fern Britton, you know, a lot of women, prominent women who say, this is not the man that I know. One of the prominent women that stood by his side during that trial in, in 2003 was Abby Titmus. And that yeah. in itself grabbed a lot of headlines. She was his girlfriend uh, at, uh, in 2003. And she was a formerly a nurse who had become a glamour model they had been together several years at that point and she was extremely loyal to him. And in fact, their relationship um, made up a lot of a documentary made about him at home with John Leslie, which was made during the um, during that 2003 trial. And there was a lot of them at home and him practicing, kind of practicing his lines with her. And she was very much the Paul Burrell rock. And at the end, they talked about the trial had put them, th really put them through the ringer and they did subsequently split up. But he said they would always be friends, quite bonded by the experience. Whereas she has said since that if she had her time again and she walked into a bar and met John Leslie, she'd turn on her heel and leave. We have seen people come back from these sort of allegations, these sort of situations. Um, the TV world is strange in that way. John Leslie never got back. No, 
He had another case against him in 2017. A woman said that she met him somewhere. They were dancing. She put, he's supposed to have put his hands down the back of her trousers. He said, why would I do something like that? Again, there was no, there was no case. He, this was never proven. But unfortunately for John Leslie, these things kind of kept arising. A lot of people assume there's no smoke without fire, but he went through all these allegations and court cases and nothing was ever proven. That's the summary of those allegations, if you like. But a lot of people believe that he's a bad person at the back of it. Yeah, and it kind of doesn't matter how much you stack up the the sort of stuff that he defends, how he defends himself. Like it was in the papers that Catherine Zeta-Jones sent him a card of congratulations from her and Michael Douglas after the 2003 trial saying, we're obviously saying we're, we're behind you. Leslie himself has said he never crossed the line between behaving gregariously as he describes it into the kind of behaviour that is has been that he's been charged with. I suppose it is that smoke without fire and he, he never managed to come back. It was probably the repeats, the repeats of and now someone says this and now someone says this. He wasn't helped by a, a, a video that came out in 2004 of him, him and Abby Titmus with another woman in a threesome. That didn't help. Allegations of taking cocaine at another point. It just all chips away and it doesn't take much for I think when you're in a role like he was as a kind of family favourite it doesn't take much for that to just get chipped away at too much. So what do we know about him now Sarah? I mean he was he basically was at his height in the 90s had his fall from grace through the noughties where is uh, John Leslie now? There was a, a Channel 5 documentary about him last year he's in real estate, apparently, living a, a quite a relatively quiet life away from the spotlight. There were earlier this year when all the furore was going on around uh, Philip Schofield, a clip surfaced on TikTok of John Leslie on the on the couch with Phil and Holly in um, twenty seventeen. I sit here on this sofa because of your misfortune. And the reason that I'm would, here is because of it's because of it's because of what happened to you all those years ago. Yeah. So you must have thought it's happening again. Well, it's 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 hard to you know take in. I know I was a bit of an idiot sometimes, you know, and and I can only apologise if I ever was that. I said, but it was never anything illegal. I was never assaulting anybody, and then th- I think just things got out of hand. Uh, my life obviously went off the rails a little bit, and. I couldn't handle uh, the off-life television uh, as well as I was handling on TV. I mean, I just loved the job. I loved yeah. the world. I loved that. I was too much of a party boy and just too young to handle it. And obviously the kind of TikTok joke around it was that they could now swap places and uh, and uh, Leslie could put that to Schofield. But you know, John Leslie never got back on that couch again. His career ended when he walked out the door of this morning to Matthew Wright naming him live on TV. Sarah Cadden, thank you very much. And if you've been affected by anything in this podcast, you can get a list of helplines by searching Someone to Talk To on the Irish Independent website. 
I'm Kevin Doyle, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Garrett Mulhall, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips were from ITV, This Morning, The Matthew Wright Show, BBC, Channel 4, The Pierce Morgan Show, and The Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. We're offering Indo Daily listeners 50% off an Irish independent digital subscription. Head over to independent.ie forward slash redeem to sign up for unlimited access to premium content, e-paper, puzzles and more. Just enter the code INDO, that's I-N-D-O, to receive 50% off your subscription. Stay informed and engage. Subscribe today.